But my five-year-old the other day was just asking like, daddy, why'd you lose your job? Why did not want you anymore? For me, I want to show that daddy's not down for the punch. It's about getting back up. It's about when you fall off, you get back on and you keep trying. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. I've been calling them editions for a long time. Uh, they're really episodes. So just a quick correction. And it is a episode of Knucklehead Podcast. So for those of you who are listening, welcome to the conversation. I've got Ben Kilroy. He's a prime Marine. For those of you who are checking out the audiogram, you can see very clearly he's got a very nice American flag with an Eagle Globe and Anchor in his name and his time in the service. So, Ben, we appreciate your service. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on to the show. He's a fellow podcaster. But more importantly, one of the biggest things that, that I wanted to have been on the show for is his leaning into the resistance of the military veteran dad. That's his audience. He has a podcast called The Military Veteran Dad. And, uh, and when you think about the amount of people that are thrust into being a father or thrust into the responsibility of they volunteer to become a dad, that creates an opportunity for you to screw up royally. And you're molding and shaping the future, not just of your family, but really potentially the economic impact of the next generation. You're either deciding to adhere to the values and morals and you know the set of principles that you were raised with. Are you going to continue those with this next generation? So I'm really pretty excited to have Ben on the show to talk about the opportunity to screw up, the opportunity to have mistakes, how those spill over as a father, how those spill over into your performance in the workplace, you know, what lessons from a leadership standpoint he was able to glean from his experience in the military and really develop himself to become the stand-up man of integrity that I know he is today. And also kind of how he views opportunity. I know that for a period of time, he was a community manager, or at least had operated in some way, shape or form to help build a social media platform for other folks before he started doing it himself. I'm interested to get some feedback about that. And uh, so with that, Ben, welcome to the show, buddy. How in the hell are you? Never been better. Every day I get to wake up to my best life and I get to step into a future that I get more excited about. Well, it's interesting. I appreciate that transparency. We, so I was at a veterans panel on Veterans Day last November at the University of Texas. And the topic was essentially veterans and the perception of victimhood, right? So the folks, whenever they look at veterans who have anxiety issues or uh, PTS is how it was classified. Instead of it being a disorder, post-traumatic stress, you go through the, the process of dealing with adversity and, uh, and issues. And uh, the crowd uh, is very, very affluent donors, right? They donate a crap ton of money to this particular university specifically for brain performance. And here these veterans are talking about rosy things, nice, easy to listen to snippets, kind of taking a bad situation and turning it around. And one of the oldest ladies there said, Hey, listen, I, you know, I understand everything's right, real nice and great and everything, but I want to hear some of the crap. I want to hear, did you have a hard time making love to your wife after you got back from war? Did you have a tough time developing confidence when other people are more experienced in the professional world than you? Like what went through your mind and what was the bad stuff? And quite honestly, Ben, in today's social media world, there's a lot of people who like to put this positive spin on things. And I get it. However, you and I both know that where the rubber meets the road and where the issues are, are the things that are difficult to talk about, the things that you really just kind of want to put in the closet and close the door and not talk about and discuss. That's where really where the substantive conversations and outcomes that we're looking for 
end up happening. So when I hear people talk about they're living their best life, I think it's awesome. However, I know as well, there's some shitty days, there's some, there's some great days and there's some days where you're just like, you know, at least I'm around my kids and my family, <laughs> but I really kind of wish I was alone right now because they are on my last nerve, that type of thing. Or maybe that's just me. That's I'm not projecting that on you at all. I would imagine that you never go through any of that, right? I have gone through a thousand peaks and values and to tell you a thousand is underestimating it. And so part of me, so there's probably a little bit of story backstory of why I said never been better. So yep. before January 27th, my answer was always better than good because I never like saying good or fine because everybody says they're good or fine and no one's really good or fine. And so I always wanted to say better than good because it was something I took from Zig Ziglar. And I really liked it. And I often found it reminded me to get myself out of the funk that maybe I didn't really feel better than good, but it reminded me like, you know what? I got a lot to be better than good about right now. But then also it lifted someone else up because it helped them bring out their funk. And so that was kind of my reminder for myself, but then also it helped others. And then on January 27th, I, I lost my position at work. They eliminated the position I had. So I became unemployed. And about two weeks after I went to, before I had wrapped up my job, I went to work one Monday and I was like, you know what? I've never felt more alive than I do right now. Like I felt my heart was pumping better. My, my fear, my anxiety was lower. And I was just like, I feel never been better. And as I've gone through this transition of being unemployed and going through this whole process of growing and figuring out what the next pivot, like I'm literally stepping into more and more like my never better life because every day I'm taking bigger and better goals than I've ever done in my life before. But I would say if the old Ben Coy would have never answered better than good or never been better because there was this gut feeling inside that like I'm supposed to be doing something else. But there was the outside that just kind of stood neutral. And it was that internal anxiety that just kind of made you internally tell yourself that you're a piece of garbage. And that piece of garbage doesn't deserve to feel better than anything. Like you should keep beating yourself up internally. But like right now, I'm at a point where I'm going through kind of a a, a transformation is what I've been kind of calling. I've been going doing the 75 hard challenge. That's something you do uh, physically on the outside. And that's always been something that's been mismatched for me. Like I've done a lot of inner work, but the outside never matched the inside. And so I'm taking this break during Corona to really go all in on my fitness and get the version of myself in the mirror equally as lovable as the version that I have inside. So that was, that was a process to get to a big process. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard people say, uh, whenever it comes to personal growth, right, there's a, there's a discipline component that typically the things that you need to be doing are very easy to do. But they're very easy not to do. And in 2020, it's never been easier not to do it either. Yeah. I mean, you can, it conveniently, you can either use whatever is going on as a distraction or as a reason why you're not able to do something, or you can lean into it. And uh, and decide that, yeah, this is this is actually uh, the reason why I want to do it. For instance, mm -hmm. you know, I woke up this morning and went on a run with my wife. Right. I could use the excuse that my kids and my dog and my house and uh, the work that I had to get done were the reasons why I wasn't able to go get the PT in. However, um, you go do it because you want to be able to stay in shape. You want to be able to, to be healthy. You want to make good, positive, healthy choices uh, because. You know, if you can win the morning, I think Tim Ferriss said it. He said you win the morning and then you can win the day. Right? And and if you look at your your calendar, 
and you say, all right, if there's 10 productive hours throughout the day, which really there's closer to 14 productive hours that you can truly be productive and leverage time zones. And, and you could potentially make 24 hours completely productive, depending upon where your team is. Uh, but from from in the context of what we're talking about here is, as a dad, really what you want to do is you want to try to look at each individual week for your kids. I mean, there's 52 opportunities throughout the year because uh, there's 52 weeks in a year to leave an impression on your children. And however, I don't want to you know get into uh, that right here. I, I'm interested kind of what your perspective is being a dad and you know looking at uh, what happened to you in January and how you leverage that as an opportunity to leave an impression on your kids because they're going to lose a job at one point in time throughout the course of their lifetime. So you want to be able to talk with integrity about how you handled it. So walk us through a little bit of that process of how you got to there in January. And then what was your mental makeup on how you were going to leverage that as an opportunity to teach your kids a lesson? So I would say like, it's, I think most people go through a job loss experience and it's probably the most devastating that most men go through. Like, cause a lot of our security comes from that position, our, our value, our identity, very similar to the military. And so when you remove it, you go through an identity crisis, you, you go through a thousand shoulds in your head of, I should have done this. I could have done that. But the one thing that kind of got me through was my podcast. Like literally I could save my podcast, save my life. Like I didn't try to take my life or I wasn't thinking about it, but having that thing be a vehicle for growth after my job helped keep the momentum going. I didn't need a job to continue my growth. And if I related to my kids, so like my kids are eight, five and three, so they're fairly young, but I've used the word daddy's no longer has a job. Daddy's going to be home from now on. But my five-year-old the other day was just asking like, daddy, why'd you lose your job? Why they didn't want you anymore? they ask really good questions. And so the, the answer I'm going to give them, I don't know how, where, whether he'll remember it. I have no idea what that'll mean to him, but they have a curiosity to understand what's going on. So for me, I want to show that daddy's not going out. Like I'm not down for the punch that it's about getting back up. It's similar when a kid learns to ride a bike. It's about when you fall off, you get back on and you keep trying. And so for me, like even before this, having the dad podcast, I really have fell in love with being a dad. Like I really just want to be a dad more than anything. And so on the other side of this, losing my job, I got to step into what I've always really wanted and then try to show up in their lives more like the week after. So immediately when I lost my job, I started trying to change our daycare schedule to start saving money. And so I started getting our kids on the bus. When I got the kids on the bus, I had already won because that was a moment that I had been craving for years and to get him on the bus, to be there and receive him and get that big hug when they got off. Like I felt like I'd already won. Like I was a winner in that moment. And so then I just kind of created more of those moments of how I could reconnect and try to build a better life being a dad, but then also trying to step into an entrepreneur to help try to facilitate that freedom, but then really kind of make sure that I'm still at the core a dad. So not trying to be a workaholic and hang out in the office too much while the kids want me to play and I can't do that. So it's about how to build an integrated life. That's been really kind of, it's not a work-life balance for me. It's how do I build my life to be integrated where, I mean, even when I'm working on a podcast, my son will set up a laptop, which is a piece of paper and a mouse next to me and pretend that he's doing what daddy does. And that moment is like, some people would say like, I don't want you in my office. And there's times where he can't be in my office, but when I can't, I try to bring him in here. I mean, there was a time in front of my desk, he set up a table by the window. He took an iPad and put his headphones on and he was recording a podcast according to him. Like he's always watching. So it's so important when you start trying to build something after 
because the, their their kids are always watching and you've got to make sure that there's steps that you want them to follow in. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I do do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So... You can get in touch with us, Stephen at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions, LLC, and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins, and contact us today. See you. Let's back up a sec. So first of all, the, the summary of what you just described is... I think not what every dad, what every parent goes through. It's like what every parent, you try to figure out this new normal, right? And everything kind of goes back to how do you establish a baseline for whatever you're going through in life? And, you know, realizing that your kids go through different uh, progressions and stages uh, is, you know, it's difficult, right? And when, especially it's difficult whenever you see them regress, uh, you know, um, my five-year-old, he's, he's going through uh, bedwetting again. Like he's, he was already through that process, but now he's backed up and he's, he's just, he's actually made the decision that he's going to pee on himself, not, you know, go to the bathroom anymore in the toilet. Like he's, we've already gone through this lesson. Like, why are we having to go back through this again? So then, you know, as a parent, you kind of go through this thing of what am I doing to cause this behavior of my kids, not realizing that he is his own kiddo, he's his own person. Uh, and maybe the environment around him got stressful because of this whole transition to 100% online uh, learning as opposed to, um, you know, in-person learning or he was, he had a routine that got completely disrupted. So, you know, he's dealing with that in a different way. So I, I say all that to say that prior to your being able to have kind of a mass quantity in terms of time with your kids, how did you deal with the balance of wanting to be a provider and, you know, have a job and still be able to be the dad that you had strived to be? So I think it came because I have a podcast for fathers. So in, like before I even launched, I knew I was not going to create a podcast about being a good dad at the same time being a bad dad to my own kids. Like that was, I knew in the very beginning. So I was like, okay, how do I, how do I create this in my head? And I'd been part of dad communities on Facebook for prior years before, probably like three years before. So I already kind of been surrounding myself with great mentorship and great examples of what good father would look like. So I knew where I needed to be. And so that really helped try to create the path. Like when you surround yourself with a group of people that are at different levels of life, but they are giving you different blueprints that you can bring into your life. That really helps take you from where you are to where you really want to be in a way that is controlled. And so when I did this podcast, was probably the best example. When I added that, like people can be like, how do you do a weekly podcast and never miss a week? Well, part of that was I realized 
even before I launched my podcast, I can't remember how it came into my life, but I learned an important lesson. Starbucks opened at 5 a.m. here locally on the weekends. And so I really wanted this podcast. So probably up right up until Corona hit, or essentially until I lost my job. That's when I stopped going on the weekends. But for almost a year and a half, Saturday and Sunday morning at 5 a.m., I was at Starbucks from 5 to 8 in those non-priority hours of fatherhood working on my podcast. Those two days, two mornings are the reason why the podcast kept going. And then I would get everything done. And then at eight o'clock, I would come home. We talk about own your morning, own your life. Like I was owning that morning time, which was them just sitting at home, eating cereal and watching cartoons. And afterwards, then I could come home. And then the entire day, other than maybe a podcast interview here or there, was, was ours to do as a family. So I strategically set it up to where I utilize the non-priority hours, whether it be a nighttime interview, whether it be those mornings on the Saturday and Sunday, or I will also take my vacation. I would use a vacation day to take a podcast day. Like I strategically said, I'm not going to burden my family and take memories and trade them for a podcast, which meant I went a little bit slower, but I, I did what I did to get through to that moment. And a, a, another example is I didn't do a lot of social sharing last year because it just didn't fit in. And I was like, I'm not going to borrow time for my family to share something on social, but it could help, but I'm not, that transaction doesn't compute. But then on the other side of January, I started doing it because I had a little bit more control. I was in, I was more comfortable with it and I did it when I was ready. And so I think that's something that most dads, like you, you get so caught up in like, especially in business, you, 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 you can think of it like buying a blueprint of how to start a business and there's 15 steps and you try to do all 15 steps in the first month. And you don't realize that those 15 steps are supposed to take five years. Or you don't realize that you're in a season of life as a dad. That's an important principle that I've really identified that identifying the season of life you're in and being real with that. I have so many ideas that are even bigger than the podcast. And I would often tell us, that's a good idea. That's just not for this season of my life. Like right now, my kids are young and these are the seasons that everybody wants back. It'll never come back. I'll never wish I did that big idea when I was 50 versus playing with my kids. So like just saying like, yeah, I'll do that when my kids don't want to hang out with me. And that's perfectly fine. And that's something that really kind of gives you a piece to enter and be present with your kids because you can push and prioritize whatever you're trying to deal with. And as men, we try to take on too much and we try to do it ourselves without talking to people to try to do it as like a tribe, which then makes it that much heavier. And it just starts to weigh you down and burn you out. And so I knew from the very beginning, I needed to separate that, prioritize it and recognize what was the right season of life for me to worry about that. So it's interesting. These, this, uh, the idea, I mean, but I'll just be real clear here. So being a dad means that you're a male, right? So you're a, you're a dude and you, you know, you have in today's, uh, world where it's 2020 and folks are blurring the lines and they're trying to uh, restructure how things are interpreted. Um, it doesn't really sit too well with me. However, I'm not confused about uh, what the truth is. And and uh, I want to be real clear here whenever I'm speaking that, um, you know, there are things that my wife does that I cannot do. Uh, and there's things that I do that my wife cannot do. 
And uh, there's distinct differences between her role and my role. And it's not established by society. It's established by what we prioritize in our life. Maybe it's influenced by society. And I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that I'm not, uh, that I'm immune to that. However, um, you know, there's a natural process that is taking place in the development of my young boys. And so in your experience, you know, as a, as a dad, where to, where do 2020 dads screw up, uh, where, you know, maybe 1970s, 1980s dads got it right. I think the 2020 dads screw up when it's a little bit tricky because in 1970, the protector and the provider were really the two primary roles of a dad. And it's the kind of leave it to beaver mindset that dad went to work, he earned his money, he came home, then he could sit and read the paper while his boys went out and play, and the mom cleaned the house and made dinner. I would say in 2020, where we get it wrong is that we probably don't recognize that we have value. I would say it, the general definition of fatherhood is that we don't matter. And it's reinforced by the, the legal definition that courts use in divorce and that a child is just better off with their mother and that every other weekend with their dad is enough. And that's the exact opposite of what anybody that knows about fatherhood who has done studies or looked into the data or just understands the biological requirements. Like there's a, I can't think of the chemical, but there's a chemical that's in a mom's body days after the birth of a baby. The exact same chemical at the exact same quantities is existent in a father. And they never did anything biological other than the conceiving of the baby. Like they didn't emotionally connect to it, but they have the exact same chemical, which is essentially that bonding chemical in fathers. And I was just watching a TED talk, which brilliantly said this example of why fatherhood matters so much. And it was a divorce lawyer in Nevada. And she was talking about how the most often thing that moms go to in divorce and why a dad shouldn't be in their life is you don't know what their grades were. You don't know what their favorite sandwich is. You don't know a lot about them. And then she's like, and most dads don't know those questions, but the questions they do know the answer to is what scares them. What's, what's their biggest fear? What, what are they struggling with? Where do they want to go with their life? Those questions, dad always knows the answer to. And so, the, and it speaks to the part of the, the male, the male masculine strength that we have an ability to be that strength for others to help them through different emotions. And that is just part something that we have. It's part of our DNA. And it's something that girls need in their life. Like the idea that a, a girl can grow up without a father is almost absurd because the idea of a father in a girl's life is she's going to go out into life and measure every person she runs, every male she runs into by the measurement of her father. If she starts dating, she's going to dump him if he doesn't measure up to her father was. And if you don't have that bar, there's no bar set for that girl of what a quality man looks like. She's going to go through a lot of rough relationships. That comes from the male being part of their life. And there's no way you can argue that a mom can provide that because it's not possible. It's part of the genetics of what you're looking for. And it's just so important. So I think in 2020, you have to recognize and step into your ability that fatherhood matters and it can change an entire child's life forever. And you can never sacrifice any of those days as much as possible. And you fight till the end to be in the, in the kid's life. Yeah. I think that that's a, uh, it's a clear battle that, um, that, you know, the dads have to fight. That's, that's kind of lost sometimes on, on folks that, you know, first of all, like I, I, I say to people, um, 
you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to take it upon yourself, if you're going to take it upon yourself to indulge uh, in um, maybe temporary pleasure, so to speak, and you you don't understand the ramifications or the fallout or the responsibility that is following up with that, uh, mm-hmm. that should influence your decision as to whether or not you should partake, right? This is knucklehead podcast. This is not, you know, you did it perfectly the first time, every time podcast. This is not, hey, look at me, look how awesome we are, look how successful this this particular endeavor is. This is this is what it just screw up along the way that led to the success that you're looking for, right? Where where did you where did you have choke points or where did you you screw up? And you know, I remember being a, a dad for the first time. I remember I I didn't really connect with the the fact that I had a son coming that was going to be mine. Right. I'm not confused about the the responsibility that I had at that time. However, until I put my hand on my wife's stomach and felt him kick for the first time, immediately I went to go paint the nursery as soon as that happened. Like it was it was I couldn't describe to somebody who hasn't been faced with that level of responsibility prior to that kick. I knew I was going to be a dad. Yeah, it was a little scary, but I didn't really understand the ramifications. But then when I felt a, a life inside of my, my, my wife and felt that, that baby kick, then I realized, oh, oh, yeah, these things don't come with an instruction manual. And if I'm going to formulate a plan, I've got to go find dads who I appreciate the way that they live their life and the way that they the example that they've set. And I got to be real careful on uh, who I allow to influence my ability to go be a dad. Uh, my dad has been married seven times, or excuse me, six times. Um, he wasn't around a whole lot, you know, and his dad wasn't around a whole lot. He was adopted. So it's like you start understanding, okay, what trends do I want to allow to continue in the, over the course of my life? And I knew that I wasn't going to allow some of the destructive patterns to continue. Right. And so because of that, I, we had to make some significant changes. Do you think that that situation, like you don't want to have anything continue from your parents? Do you think that that's unique to our generation or based off of the dads that you've had on the show, depending upon their age, do you feel like that's probably pretty par for the course for, for folks who are brand new parents to begin with? I think there's in the least in the, probably in the last 80 years, probably, I think there's always been the biological desire of parents to try to provide a better life. I think even if you were to go even before the Great Depression, I, I believe that that's something that you you insistently, you have a desire to try to make sure this kid has a good life. And back then, it was a lot harder to try to do that. But I think that's why people moved out West. You often heard like, oh, we want to give our family a better shot. So I think we've always tried to give ourselves better shots. But what I, I don't think we, we really do a good job acknowledging where we have a knucklehead moment is that the lens that we're looking through our current life is filtered by our past life. And what I mean by a good example is like one of my very first knucklehead where I like hit rock bottom was in finance. I had just bought a car. I had just bought furniture. I had just financed tires. And because this is what America tells you you should do. It was part of the American program. This was my view of the world. And then I found Dave Ramsey. About two weeks after buying my car, I could kick myself. So I was like, man, did I hit stupid really hard multiple times on the road down to finding Dave Ramsey. And then you find Dave Ramsey and you're like, oh my God, I mean, student debt isn't just like a child that you raise forever. It's something that can actually go away. Like this isn't anything I've ever heard. And it paints the picture that 
you have to understand that how you view the world is based in the lens of your own life. But you can access other lenses just by simply talking to people and continuing to be curious. Like one of the biggest crux of fatherhood and social media today is people assume that you're, you're on your own. Like you have to figure it out. But what you, no one acknowledges is that back millennia, for millennia, we've done life in tribes. Like you had less knucklehead moments probably back then because everybody was supporting each other in those tribes. It was a community effort to hunt and gather and to raise men. Like you didn't do it alone. But yet in 2020, we have this idea that I have to know all the answers. And once you start connecting with other dads, you're like, wow, that guy's got it figured out. I could just take his idea and use it for me and not have to spend all that stress to try to figure it out. And so I think the consistent knucklehead moment for a lot of fathers today is they think that they have to have all the answers. Like you can go to Google with almost any fatherhood problem and find a YouTube video, a blog post, and take access and add that to your life. But so far, and many times we just, we get stuck through the lens that uh, I have to be stoic or I have to hold it all in. I have to project that I have it all together as a father because my kids can't see this weakness. But that's all bullshit because the idea that your kids can't see you, that you're perfect, like your imperfections are going to help them grow through that imperfection. Like sharing your stories of your knucklehead moments is one of the best father tools you can. I was just sharing in boot camp with my daughter the other day. Like, cause she was, she gets upset that it always seems like it's her fault, but she's the oldest. So you always expect more out of her. And I was like, well, in boot camp, it's everybody's fault. It doesn't matter who was a knucklehead in boot camp. Everybody suffered. And she really enjoyed the story. I told it probably for like 15 minutes to her because she kept asking follow-up questions. That was a moment that I shared from my life that now is added to her life. And so many times we don't do that, but we don't even realize that your story of something about fatherhood. And I share that with my daughter or reading something about someone else's journey of fatherhood. That's how you change your lens of how you can go forward. And so many dads today in this culture of social media where we isolate ourselves, we don't enrich ourselves with other views. We get stuck with the current lens of our life, but you have to remember that lens is currently only as strong as your life that you look through. So talking about changing your family tree and trying to change it for the better, I think you have to be one, aware that you have the capacity to do that and you just have to choose. But two, you have to realize the bias of what you're looking through first. Yep. I think that that's a a good summary. So, Ben, tell people how to get in touch with you. Tell people, what is this podcast you speak of? Where can people find it? And then if people wanted to reach out directly with you, how could they do that? So the the website is very easy, militaryveterandad.com. We're pretty much on all the platforms, Apple, Alexa, iHeartRadio. You can get it pretty much anywhere podcasts are found these days. And the podcast, essentially, we interview dads and really anybody that can add value to fatherhood on Mondays. I I deliver a fatherhood Friday solo series on Friday where it's just me on the microphone. And the the podcast has been over a year old. So there's lots of content out there. You can binge listen as much as you need to. But we essentially try to share vulnerable stories to reconnect and invalidate some of that garbage that your head is trying to tell yourself that no one else is having these common problems because Facebook and Instagram says everything is perfect. We share the stories to help cancel out that negative voice and we do it weekly. And I get more excited every time we're just getting ready to publish uh, episode 71. And the best way to get out in touch with me is on Instagram, Ben at underscore Cloy. Reach out there. I am more than willing to have a conversation. And one of my knucklehead moments is not recognizing that I needed more friends in my life. So when I turned 30, that was kind of like my pivot point where I was like, I'm going to create more friends. So I always try to show up in others' lives to be that friend that I wish I had five years ago. So 
don't be afraid to reach out. If you have any questions or you need a friend, I'm more than willing to have a conversation because friendships changed my life and I'm willing to offer it to yours as well. Very cool. Very cool. Well, for those of you who are listening, who are running from one meeting to another, or you used to listen to this on your commute, and now you're listening to it from your commute from the kitchen to your office uh, in your home, my suggestion is you bring a question to Ben. One, because in my experience, Ben's been very cerebral, very deliberate, very considerate of the circumstance when it comes to answering your question. And the reality is, is there's a lot of people who don't or they pretend that they do. And it's not it's not as if everybody has available time to dedicate to solving your problem. And quite frankly, it's your responsibility to figure out your own crap. However, from time to time, it's helpful to grab a couple minutes with somebody, provide some context to them and learn how to communicate a little bit. And that's what Ben has done a really good job of doing. And I, I appreciate his uh, sincerity and his authenticity and, and, uh, and the mission, because I'll be honest, I think dads need more dads and they need more dads that have more experience giving them wisdom. I remember a mentor in my life said a long time ago, you take experience from folks who have more of it than you. And then your responsibility is to do something with it in conjunction with actually going and sharing with somebody who's got less experience than you. And that cyclical kind of uh, tribal mentality of sharing uh, elders' stories and then uh, rearing children and and helping new dads become uh, better new dads, uh, that's our responsibility. It's a cyclical process, and eventually we will get old and have to share some of our wisdom, hopefully, (laughs) if you can be reflective uh, with our kiddos and our grandkids and maybe our great-grandbabies. So anyway, Ben, I appreciate you taking some time. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with before we transition to the video side? I don't think so. I think uh, you you said there beautifully that I often describe that uh, in a way of, it's like a barrel of monkey. You always have one hand up in life to rise up. Then you always have one hand down to pull someone up. And it's a fun game. Barrel of monkeys is a lot of fun. So for those of you who are listening, who are laughing, go have some fun on a Friday or Saturday night with your family Uh, or afternoon so anyway uh we appreciate you for those of you who like listening knucklehead uh we got new episodes coming at you every tuesday uh, check us out on linkedin on facebook on instagram all the different social media channels go ahead and check it out or if you're just you know you want to google it that's fine we're not difficult to find knucklehead podcast check us out and ben at the military veteran dad podcast wherever you listen to your podcast make sure you go back and listen some of my favorite episodes uh, are just ben himself uh, I also like Ryan Mitchler's episode, uh, the Order of Man Facebook group. So those are some some good ones to go check out. My suggestion is go back through and, and curate that material. He said that he's at episode 70, what, what are you, 72, 71? 71 next. And I've got about maybe 15 Fatherhood Fridays out there as well. And I just did a really good one that's kind of like I stepped into my voice the most and I just dissected the Frozen franchise and how every veteran and really every dad, there's a hidden story with an Elsa that you can relate to. There you go. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you. For those of you who are wanting to check it out, we've got a special video portion coming at you here shortly. So until next time, folks, see ya.